We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined again by Curtis Patrick. So last week, we did kick off discussions talking about some of the solid running backs and wide receivers that were kind of hiding in plain sight, you know, guys that were maybe just outside the top tier or had moved up into a tier where uh, they should have probably been already. I talked through the Rookie Guide Volume 2 a bit, and this week we're going to tackle even more of that and uh, just attack some super flex and tight end premium talk because we had plenty of uh, ranks discussion, and really the Ranking Summit was a lot of fun putting that together. But Curtis, are you doing all right? I I saw you just reacting to what I think you just drank. Oh, man, yeah. You guys know I'm a man of the people, and uh, I thought maybe you'd want a classy (laughs) episode tonight, but people wanted the fire takes, so... I'm on the I'm on the cinnamon whiskey for tonight, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's let's bring it. I'm gonna be breathing fire, literally and figuratively. Can't wait. But before we dig into the episode, man, congratulations, Travis. I I heard it's your 200th career podcast. That's amazing. That no one's taking your mic away. I mean, congrats, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, for, but for real, man, like. That's great. Yeah, 200th podcast. I include radio spots too in there just because, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a numbers person, so I like to just kind of keep track and nerd out about you know, different milestones and whatever. That's not for everybody, but I, I like to. I've got a little note here and there. So That's awesome, man, for yeah. real. I mean, 200, that's, that's a big deal. You've probably spent 100, 150 hours plus dropping knowledge. I mean, that's, that's amazing as a testament to uh, all the work that you do and the prep and everything, man. So... Yeah, it's an honor to share this episode with you, for real. Yeah, I was like, I, I could do something special, or I could just hang out with Curtis again, I guess, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. I just got to give you a hard time. But, but uh, you know, we are we, uh, we won't, uh, you know, talk about how, uh, how much I talk about football for too long here. We are going to get into some super flex and tight end premium stuff. And I know lately, I guess, uh, you know, we'll probably tackle this a little bit, but Will Greer getting some noise, uh, whether that means anything, even Daniel Jones getting some noise. What does that mean? Like even Kyler Murray just uh, today kind of locking it up and maybe looking like he is just a no brainer going first. I don't know. I don't know how that changes things. I'm sure we'll get into that, but even, even with Gronkowski, it's really perfect timing. All the all the quarterback buzz and Gronkowski retiring, how that kind of makes it interesting with a, a good tight end class uh, incoming, and maybe 
just maybe three first-round tight ends this year. I don't know what that really looks like exactly. I don't know uh, what if that's a fire take. Maybe we can get into that with Curtis. But before we do dive into that, Curtis, you want to just uh, tell us a little bit more about one of our awesome sponsors? Yeah, for sure, man. And and we talk about this every week, but it's it's just because it's a it's a great deal, and uh, l- like to be preaching the message here. So our friends at the FFPC, the world's largest dynasty league commissioner, they've got a brand new startup dynasty league uh, format right now, starting up at seventy seven and two hundred fifty dollar entry fees. You can play standard, superflex, and best ball formats. Uh, they've also got a couple orphan teams left at significant discounts. So check that out if you're uh, the type that likes a project. If you're ready to draft and, and just redraft best ball leagues, FFPC also has you covered with drafts filling daily starting at just $35. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. The home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And just a reminder, all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center Slack get a $30 league credit applicable to any Dynasty League, $77 or higher. So it's startup season. It's a perfect time to join the DCC and start a new league with help from me, Travis, and the other analysts. There you go. There you go. There you go. Got to get into one of those leagues right now. But... Let's dive in. Let's not even hesitate. So the quarterback talk here lately with Kyler Murray, let's just start there because it seems like it's it's a lock and it seems like there's some news that makes it look like it's definitely a lock that Kyler Murray is indeed going to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. That, there's been buzz about that for a while, but it seems like that's all but a sure thing now. So, I mean, in our, in our rookie guide, we had Kyler really high in Superflex leagues, but for you, Curtis... Is that enough to just solidify him as the 1.01 in Superflex leagues for you? If he does go 101, he's probably my 101 in Superflex. I mean, we have him in in Tier 1 now uh, with Nikhil Harry and DK Metcalf. And so we're saying that we essentially value those guys the same. But when we did these rankings, um, we had learned that Kyler Murray uh, was entering the NFL draft. So that was information we didn't have in Volume 1. And so we reacted to that. But there was still talk about, you know, what did the height really mean and who would be willing to take a chance and actually build their team around this guy who's going to basically be shorter than any franchise quarterback in NFL history. And it, that may or may not actually be important. We have to see how it plays out on the field. But it's, it's just one of those things. It's almost like sticker shock, you know, like, well, you got below six foot and then now you're below 5'11". Um, and it's kind of one of those things, would anybody be willing to sink the draft capital in? And now when we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals, who to draft him 101, they not only have to believe that he's worthy of that selection in terms of being a true franchise maker, they're also basically saying that, you know, we renege on what we did last year with Josh Rosen and taking him and saying that we're going to build our franchise around him. And leaking that this may be, you know, essentially leaking that this is out. I think Benjamin Albright is the uh, person that I saw break this on Twitter. He said, change it from pencil to pen today, I think was the tweet, something like yeah. that. They're effectively they're yeah. effectively weakening the market for Josh Rosen and trade. If, if they're actually leaking, you know, they're signaling that, hey, he's available, but they're weakening the, uh, the market in terms of what they could get in potential return. So it, it's a, that's a huge statement for them to take him 101. It would signal a lot of commitment. Even in our Slack, you know, um, Kyle Francis has talked to us a lot about what Cliff Kingsbury uh, did in college in terms of play calling and offensive uh, scheme and design. And Kyler Murray does seem like he could be a home run fit uh, in that, especially if, if he's the new head coach's guy. So 101 for me, he was my number three. So that's, that's a change I'll be making. What about you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's too much. If he does go first overall, and, and there's really no worries when it comes to the investment that an NFL team is going to have in Kyler Murray, I think that, that really probably pushes him over the edge there. Uh, first overall, he's going to get that Baker Mayfield type buzz plus some because he has an even higher upside as as a runner uh, than a Baker Mayfield does. You know, have, coming off a season where he had you know over four thousand passing yards and over a thousand rushing yards and a six to one touchdown ratio, and 
throwing for like over 11 you know yards per attempt over 13 adjusted yards per attempt which just the numbers are just ridiculous one of the best seasons we've really ever seen from a college quarterback and I love that you mentioned what Kingsbury did in college with Texas Tech and even looking at what Alan Bowman was able to do at quarterback uh, just this past year coming in first year in the system playing eight games and having almost 70 percent completion completion rate and throwing 17 uh, touchdowns in those eight games having some some decent success a guy that fits the mold of Kyler Murray who's more mobile who's more accurate who who just is better in every way being in in that type of system that's gonna be a lot of fun uh, and I think that they will maybe year one he might not have the success that we want him to have as many quarterbacks have been doing in recent memory but as they build around him in maybe year two he's he's gonna be he's gonna see that ascension and value really quickly uh, and to be perhaps quickly in the same discussion as one Baker Mayfield uh, and follow the similar track that he did yeah, and you and you mentioned Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a historically great college football quarterback uh, oh, yeah. from a metrics uh, perspective. And you know, we've you and I have talked a lot about Miles Sanders and how his breakout age is something we almost have to just kind of ignore, right? Because he was held down by Saquon Barkley. Well, Kyler Murray's in the same boat with Baker Mayfield. Uh, it is not. It is not an indictment on you as a prospect if Baker Mayfield kept you on the bench. But when Kyler Murray yeah. got his shot, uh, he put up a 100th percentile college QBR of 95.8. 99th percentile <laughs> Isn't that college YPA. Yeah, 100th percentile. Pretty sure that means you're like the best or tied for the best. I think that's yeah. the way that metric works. So Basically col- college <laughs> yards per attempt, 11.6. That's 99th percentile. Okay, we know he is a runner. Uh, but more of a scrambler than probably a design uh, run guy. And so he's going to give us those Michael Vick yards, and it's not going to be the RG3 uh, deal. So that that is a good thing. And, and I think with young piece like Christian Kirk and maybe another player in the draft with another Arizona Cardinals pick this year uh, to go along with David Johnson and a safety valve, there are some pieces there that can help him be successful. But we've seen the air raid principles be successfully you know, deployed in the NFL now with Todd Munkin and, and Freddie Kitchens doing a little bit of it last year. So there's there's precedent now. And there's no reason Kingsbury can't open it up and take advantage of all of Kyler Murray's strength. So we, we've kind of just been waiting to catch up and put him where I think we thought we would put him all along. If he had just declared in December, we probably already would have gotten here. Um, but we're yeah. playing we're playing catch up ago. just like the just like the NFL is. Um, what do you think about, you mentioned Will Greer. Let's just speak about him for, for a moment, and I'll kind of introduce this. So I listened to a podcast the other day, and I'm going to, you know, we're not going to do this often on this show, but I would recommend this as a listen for everyone. Evan Silva and uh, Ben Standig did an NFL mock draft. It was one round deep, and they, they talked a lot, a lot about, um, the scouting process for different teams and what the team needs uh, would be. But one thing that Ben said that was really powerful was at this point of the year, like NFL draft Twitter or the fantasy community were kind of like almost catching up to where the NFL scouts are. It feels like people are rising on our boards, but they might have been there all along for the NFL, the people that are doing this all year and not you know chasing different opportunities to gamble essentially. Um, and so uh, they they mentioned that when they were talking about Will Greer, um, I, I believe. Um, and and Will Greer, as Evan Silva notes, you know, air raid becoming accepted by an NFL. That's that's the you know that's the offense that Will Greer comes out of. Uh, he was an aggressive quarterback on tape. He's a plus athlete, uh, kind of in the upper third by Spark Score. Some will knock his arm strength, but. Drew Brees doesn't have a, a a howitzer, you know, and and if you can be yeah. out, if you can be accurate and you can see the field uh, and and pick your pick your spots in a wide open system, there's precedent for success now. And so we, it might feel to us, to me and you, and and even non fantasy players that are just part of draft Twitter community, that Will Greer is rising up the boards, but he may have been in that mid to late first range for a handful of NFL teams all along. So just to recap where he was, 
in issue one for us from a, a super flex perspective, man, I'm sc- scrolling down here. He was 15th in volume one uh, for us, and he is now 28th. So he actually drops, even though he's rising up NFL boards. And the dynamic that I see is that we kind of have fallen in love with with more position players. But we were talking before the pot opened. Where would you need to see, for, for Greer to get back into that kind of mid-second range and super flex, where does he have to go in the actual NFL draft for that to happen for you? Yeah, I think probably top 40, like that Derek Carr type pick range, like where he was taken with the Raiders. You know, like they, they it's early enough where teams you think, oh, well, he's probably going to get a shot at the job. Uh, you know, if he comes into a slot, you know, with there's buzz from, with, the, with the Giants. Uh, there's buzz, you know, maybe even I've seen a couple of mocks where he's even even goes to Jacksonville, even though Foles is there. Oh, wow. Or even he goes to, let's just say, let's just say to the Broncos. All those currently without even having to trade live in the, the, the 37, like pick 37 to 41 range right now. So if he even goes that late, I think he has to go much earlier than 28 in Superflex. And I remember our, our discussions back in December a couple people didn't even have him ranked in one quarterback leagues, and I, I was just like, I don't know how that's possible because I, I was in in the camp that I, I thought he was going to get draft capital, especially with, with no Kyler Murray being the picture. Yeah, and I think that had to do with it too because without Kyler Murray, it was like, oh, it's well, I guess Dwayne Haskins and yep. Drew Locke and Will Greer. I was like, yeah, I guess he's going to get draft capital just because top quarterbacks, they just go early because scarcity at the position. So at this point – I expect him, fully expect him to go in, inside the top 41, 42 picks. Like even the Bengals are sitting right there at 42. Like so there's plenty of opportunities in that range and I think that one of those teams could trade up and to the late first and we see Will Greer go in that range. Uh, it shouldn't really surprise anybody. I think you mentioned the air raid system being accepted and really Will Greer, I mean we've seen in, in recent history um just more research done on on what really translates and clean pocket quarterbacking has shown to be pretty sticky in the NFL. And Will Greer is one of the best clean pocket passers uh, in all of college football and really had adjusted numbers, not quite as insane as one Kyler Murray, but he had a really solid final year, 37 touchdowns to eight interceptions and 9.7 yards per attempt, which is still I believe at least 85th percentile, if I remember correctly. So he's got some pretty gnarly stats going on for him. Two years in a row, making three wide receivers hit 700 yards plus in college. He distributes the ball. He's, you know, he doesn't really hone in on just one option to, to get it done. Uh, and he's throwing to a couple of guys that really aren't exactly going to have much draft capital either. Like It's not like he's out, you know, Alabama throwing to nothing but four- and five-star guys or Clemson, just wide receiver to university. He's not relying on them. He's... He's throwing them open at times, and so I think uh, he's not perfect. He doesn't have a perfect arm, but I think in this class, he's he's definitely being overlooked and has been uh, for quite some time. So I can't wait to see where he does go because he might be the value where, you know, Josh Allen just a year ago, everyone kind of dismissed him. Uh, Will Greer could be that in this class and still find some value anyway. Yeah, great, great points across the board there. Um, and I think it's funny that what he was knocked for was the arm strength. Um, and I know there's there's different components of arm strength, but he was clocked at 59 miles an hour on throw velocity at the combine, which is 90th percentile, okay? So it's one of those things where narratives just kind of get spoken into, they get spoken into existence and they become truth even when they're not. If anybody listens to, to Joe Rogan, um, I think uh, it was a couple months ago he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on and they talked about the three types of truth and the third type of truth was political truth. And it's one of those things where if it gets repeated mm-hmm. enough, it's just true. Well, Will Greer and the arm yeah. strength got repeated enough that it just kind of become fact. And uh, clearly it's not, at least based off of uh, his velocity. Only only knock on Greer at this point for me is the age. He's one of the older quarterbacks in the class, if not if not D. But yeah, I, I agree with you. If If I would say this, if a team trades up for him and it's not like a slide into early day two, but if a team actually trades up for him at the end of the first, uh, he would move pretty safely into our tier four, which is our top 20 
Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Ex- yeah, I'm not sure exactly where he would land in there, but I, I wouldn't fault anyone for investing second round super flex capital in Greer at, at that point, uh, for sure. So uh, maybe quickly on Daniel Jones, any thoughts, any thoughts on him? He's also being rumored as yeah. early as the mid first. Now, what's your take on Jones? Yeah, well, if you like quarterbacks that have uh, really excellent analytics and a good production profile, Daniel Jones is not your guy. Uh, his, his stats just make you know screams absolute bust. And then if you like good guys with good film, uh, he's also not your guy. Uh, if you like guys that uh, really check a lot of boxes of being maybe the right size uh, for a quarterback, okay, that maybe. But uh, he doesn't really, uh, to me, belong in the same discussion as any of the top options. Uh, he got a little bit better with his decision-making this past season, I guess. Uh, but there's not um, anything to me that screams he's worthy of a, a first-round pick. He might get in that discussion, and if he does, that's fine. I'll let somebody else pick him. Um, but uh, he, I, I don't think he would have to be a first-round pick to to get anywhere near that discussion for me as he's a step down uh, from Greer, most most assuredly, in my opinion. Are, are you in the same camp there, or do you like Jones a little bit more? Oh, I'm I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy. Um, I I like to look at what quarterbacks do. Well, really every position, but especially quarterbacks from smaller schools. What do they do um, against their Power Five competition? And I'm not calling Duke a smaller school necessarily. I mean they play in a major conference, but they're not thought of as a, a quarterback uh, university really. And Daniel Jones. Career touchdown to interception splits against Power 5 defenses, 36 over 25. Um, that is beyond gross. Okay, even Drew Locke, who is basically <laughs> thought of as like uh, a Brett uh, Farvian-type uh, player, 55 over 35, okay? So he at least threw 20, 20 more touchdowns than, than picks against uh, Power 5 competition, and, and that was in uh, a, a much tougher situation probably than – than Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones, really the only thing going for him is the breakout age. He has a lot of experience and games under his belt. Um, but the question is, what what did he actually um, do with that? And his college yards per attempt, just 10th percentile at 6.8. Uh, you can also make arguments that, you know, his skill position player is not necessarily adding a lot for him uh, or, or breaking home runs on their own. And there's room for context with, with any player, but um, I'm totally with you. I'll, I'll just be chasing the level of investment that an NFL team is willing to make on Daniel Jones when it comes to my final ranking. So for those of you following along, if, if you do have a copy of the Dynasty Command Center uh, Rookie Guide, our second volume, we do have Greer and Jones at the end of our fifth tier at 28 and 29. And to recap, Greer probably in that that later tier four range is a top 20 guy. And Jones, um, yet yet to be determined at this point, I think, both for Travis and I. So, But really, I mean, it's, it's not like they're absolute scrubs or anything, but by comparison, I mean, you know, if you put them next to a Kyler Murray or even a, a Dwayne Haskins, I think, or even maybe a Drew Locke, I, I think I would much prefer a Locke over Jones. And I think Locke is a lock for early first-round draft capital, where I'm, I'm not sure the same is true for Jones and really Locke, I think he's kind of on an island right now in our rankings. Uh, he's kind of that in between guy that we would settle for more than he is a guy that we would reach for. But and Haskins, we haven't really talked about him, but I think he's probably what the consensus QB two for most at this point. Yeah, I think he's I think he's got to be. And if if you're somebody that actually is scared of the physical profile of Kyler Murray, I I can't if and and that's rooted in some sort of assessment that you've made. Uh, I don't have a necessarily a problem with Haskins being your top guy. I mean, great vertical passer. A lot's being talked about with that whole Ohio State offense and how high some of these wide receivers are are rising in the rankings. And I, you know, I, I think it's just that all of them were really good. I think Haskins was really good, and I think the receivers were yeah. really good. And it wasn't necessarily a case of one making the other or propping the other position group up. And Haskins is he's gonna be he's a lock top ten pick at this point and it's just going to be about the landing spot and how patient is somebody willing to be with a with a one-year starter and Murray's in the same boat you know one-year starter although I think if you if you watch um Brian Billick I think called him a three-year starter the other day uh, <laughs> on a, in a Twitter video but uh these, these are guys without a ton of experience 
um, that are going to need a little time to season, but they have you know clear athletic and and physical skills. Um, if somebody can um, cultivate the best out of them, so uh, I think just to kind of put a bow on this super flex section here in volume two, we did have three quarterbacks inside our top two rounds, actually three inside our top 19. We're both basically calling Greer that fourth. So the actionable takeaway, if you're looking for some help in your super flex rookie drafts this year, I don't think you can feel safe that you're getting one of our top four guys if you don't own a top 18 pick. These guys are going to continue to rise probably between now and when you actually have your rookie draft. So if you're trying to get into position, You've got to be in that mid-second round, I think, to feel good about getting one of uh, one of uh, Murray, Haskins, uh, Locke, or Greer. Have to say, I agree. Couldn't couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> well, hey, you know, we we have another awesome uh, sponsor of ours that we wanted to t- kind of talk about, and I guess it's uh, kind of a, a partnership that you know has been in the works for a bit. If you want to share a word from them. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Rotoviz, it, you're going to see a lot more content from us that is uh, Yahoo focused. And that's the nature of, of this uh, plug here. And as you know, baseball has long been considered America's pastime, even though we're talking dynasty football here. And uh, opening day is uh, actually it's Thursday. It's tomorrow as of this recording, but it's opening weekend in the MLB. Uh, the smell of the grass, the crack of the bat. And now add in that sensation of money burning a hole in your pocket. Well, we've got the solution. Just play Yahoo Daily Fantasy and find the baseball contest that's right for you. You can go head-to-head against a friend or find someone online. With Yahoo's quick match feature, you'll only go up against another player of your skill level. So if you're new to uh, Major League Baseball, Daily Fantasy Sports, and just giving it a shot, you don't have to worry about going up against some shark that's just going to uh, take you take you for a ride. You can play for free or for cash, but the best part is there's no management fee. You're going to keep 100% of your winnings. You can play in groups for a larger pot and bigger bragging rights and guaranteed prize pool contests. Every day, there's a management-free contest, meaning Yahoo takes nothing and all players have a better chance to win. And for you really obsessive fans out there, you can set up a league that can span anywhere between two contests and an entire season, which that's really cool. You know, you you could set up almost like a a year-long fantasy baseball league that was broken into months. So who's going to win each month? You could get really creative with this thing. I I really like what they're adding there. Yahoo Daily Fantasy is just easy to play. Deposit some cash, choose your game, and get to winning. So come make a deposit and get started. Use promo code ROTO25, as in Rotoviz, ROTO25 for 25 bucks and free play with your first deposit. The sooner you get to playing, the sooner you can get to winning. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today. You could be celebrating tonight. Nice, nice. I, I, I should probably go check that out and uh, use the promo code right after, right after we're done, actually. <laughs> I, I, I really can't. Uh, I've never really made the leap to uh, you know check out. I know we talk about Dynasty football, but I've never really talked about Dynasty baseball. But uh, daily daily and things like that can intrigue me a little bit more than the, the Dynasty stuff. Because, man, my, my friends go hard. Some of my friends just go so hard with the baseball all year. And it's, it's impressive the, the amount of knowledge that they have. I, I'm a Cards fan and Indians fan. But after that, it's like, I really can't even talk baseball, but <laughs> I don't know if you're in the same boat or not. Oh man, my Cincinnati Reds. We're going all in for the for the championship run this year, man. We just uh yeah, we went like all <laughs> Cleveland and we're just adding all Cleveland Browns. That's basically what the Cincinnati Reds did this year. Adding adding tons of talent and I'm with you, but uh baseball is actually how I got into to fantasy sports. I started playing probably when I was thirteen or fourteen years old or something, and it that was that was the sport that I loved the most. Uh as as a young and nice. and and I kind of owe my my current love of of fantasy football uh, to that. So I always have a soft spot for fantasy baseball, even though I probably couldn't name more than fifty players in the league today, uh, which was not the case yeah. back then. So let's get on to tight end premium. Th- this is another um, diff. It's it's a difficult format um, in that how high do you actually push these guys up the board? 
you're, you might always feel like it's a reach because, you know, typically we have to be patient with, with tight ends before they start posting the fantasy points. But when they break out, boy, they break out. And in tight end premium, they're, they're worth as much, you know, like a Rob Gronkowski. It, it, he was basically like a, a top six wide receiver uh, in his best years uh, and, and even maybe even a top three receiver equivalent in his best years in a tight end premium format. And so when we do these ranks, we're, we're assuming a one and a half PPR for tight end premium. But we know some of you play even at a two points uh, per reception for tight end premium. So everything that follows this, you could kind of just like turn the notch up, you know, a, another a uh, little bit on the dial if, if you're in a two uh, points per reception league for tight end. So, um, Travis, I know you got some thoughts maybe on some on some sweet spots, and we can kind of run down the guys that we're most confident in uh, from the top even to like kind of the mid-range in these tight ends in this class this year. Yeah, I think in, in this market of, of tight ends, we really just want something to hit, right? I mean, we're, we've got like three guys, maybe four, that we're really confident in at the position right now. Uh, but it, we're also in this world where those three or four guys are just bonkers for our teams, right? I mean, we've got Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and and even some guys projecting, you know, good things for Jared Cook still, uh, good things for OJ Howard. Uh, but after the top tier, like we really were just left wanting uh, with with that position. So in a class that is this good, I think we've got Noah Fant, you've got T.J. Hawkinson, Irv Smith Jr. A lot of guys that could go in the top 40, 50 picks of the NFL draft, I think we have to uh, value these guys and be willing to trust in the draft capital and, and what that means for opportunity. So, I mean, obviously Noah Fant, obviously TJ Hawkinson, obviously her or Smith Jr. should be going early, but it's interesting to see how much the, the dynamic of the position has changed since the first edition. I like it. we knew Fant was in the conversation, but I think a lot of people hadn't really digested what happened in Iowa with the with the tight end production from this past season because TJ Hawkinson was way lower. Where where was he by the way in in our first guide? Well, um, Kyle Francis was the one that was really beating the TJ Hawkinson drum uh, in Dynasty Command Center, and it was even like middle of the college football season. I mean, he was on this guy and started you know, talking to all of us about the quality of the tight end position available in this year's draft. And and I think he had him even back in December as like a top 16 to 18 guy in his class in like, and just standard PPR settings. And some of us didn't even have Hawkinson ranked quite yet at that point. And so the consensus rank on Hawkinson, we had him as our 35th player, even in tight end premium. And he's rocketed up to 11th in tight end premium yeah. now. Slight change. Uh, slight slight change. change, yeah. <laughs> late late third round all the way to late first round. And I think the only reason he's he and Fant aren't higher is because they're both there. So, um, you know, right. rank, rankings are, um, you know, every player that you rank, it's a dynamic relationship to another player that's ranked. You do, Everyone has to be in front of and behind another player unless you're first or last. And if only one of these guys was available in this year's draft, I think they'd probably be up even in the mid first, but there's going to be a game of chicken that, that goes on in tight end premium, uh, in your league's draft day. When's that first one going to go? Cause when that first one goes, the, the other one's going right after him. I mean, I can tell you right now, so you might as well, you, you know, you see Fant or Hawkinson go in your draft, you might as well go ahead and start getting on the phone, trying to trade for the next pick. Cause that's when the other one's going. Hmm. Um, and that's why I think we have them at 10 and 11. I could see them by volume three. Once we know the landing spot, the situation, the actual draft capital, maybe going a little higher in tight end premium. Uh, but the, and, and, and you, maybe your question would be, well, why not just rank them there now? But this is a dynamic process. And some of you are drafting today. I mean, I, I have, I have a rookie draft that actually takes place next week and, and it's not a Debbie league. It's just, we draft before the NFL draft. And, you know, th- I think with that's some tough. of those questions unanswered, um, that's where, you know, I think we feel feel comfortable. But, man, yeah, a two-round leap to the, the, the late first for Hawkinson and basically being dead even with Fant, uh, really, really remarkable. Um, and it kind of shows, A, how sharp Kyle was to, to spot that. But also, let's talk about the differences between these players a little bit. 
because Hawkinson, I think the initial appeal with him was, well, he's never coming off the field and he can do the run blocking and you don't have to uh, assume that he's getting the target when he's on the field. And, and that's almost like, that's like the Gronk factor, right? That's what made Gronk so great is he worked in every package. You could split him out. He was an absolute mauler uh, blocking when he was healthy. And Hawkinson seems to kind of fit that mold. Also an extremely young prospect. Gronk was, I think, only 20 when he entered the league. A lot of similarities there. I'm not calling him the next Gronkowski, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, similarities there. Fant, more of thinking of him as the explosive athlete. You know, I think uh, he compares favorably to guys like George Kittle and Vernon Davis and his in his athletic profile, which is, I mean, geez, I mean, just just mash the draft button on him. But I think more people are speaking about even his willingness um, to block and be versatile and, and, and really that you have to appreciate both of these guys, even though it wasn't just one of them holding the gig down. So yeah, which one of these, who's your tight end one of the two, Fant or Hawkinson right now? Right now it is still Fant. I, I love them both. I really think they're both going to be top 20 picks in the NFL draft uh, and that's maybe well certainly a month or two ago that would have been a hot take but I think at this point it probably looks like that's going to happen and there's more noise about uh, one of them perhaps going to my Titans which that would be weird uh, they really need uh, one more offensive lineman and they really uh, interior that is and they really need uh, some pass rush but uh, they could definitely grab a, a tight end as well so I think if either of them have that draft capital of top 20, uh, they probably are going to see like that little bump that you mentioned. I think it's probably going to happen, especially because one or two of the guys that are currently ranked ahead of them are probably going to be, you know, dropping to the late two range or even early round three range, perhaps, you know, we, we can only do so much as projecting draft capital. And really that's, that's why I think in tight end premium, uh, you know, trusting in these guys a little bit earlier, uh, that have that draft capital, I think they're just safer than a lot of these guys that we want to reach for that are day th- day two, late day two wide receivers. The hit rates on late day two wide receivers are just not good. Uh, and so tight ends uh, that are solid athletes, that are solid receivers, that are drafted inside the top 50 picks or so, even higher than that, have to be, have to be safer than a lot of these guys. So that's why I'm taking either of them higher than most anyone and uh, easily inside the first round uh, this year. But uh, Irv Smith is probably a little bit more confusing uh, to, to some when, when uh, trying to really peg him and where he belongs and what team he's going to go to. How To even sniff the same conversation as a TJ Hawkinson or Noah fan, how, how high would Irv Smith have to be drafted for you to really warrant being in that same tier or, or discussion? Oh, the same tier. Okay. Um, yeah, I, same tier. I have like, him. I really do. Have I to have to go to the him. Patriots. Or... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah okay. So here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. I've seen so many people talk about who's the Gronk replacement and, and, and making it yeah. seem like New England is like the nuts landing spot for a rookie tight end. Are we so sure that it is? I mean, Tom Brady is – okay, I mean, he's Brady – He's the undisputed goat. I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not questioning the rings. I'm not this has nothing to do with my thoughts on Tom Brady. But he's old. He's old. He is, you know, it, he can't do this forever. And, you know, I I think to assume he's going to do this for for more than one year at a time at this point. I I think it involves a lot of projecting and whether Belichick will be around and what happens to the rest of the team after that point. You know, it's 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 no different than you know. Do you feel do you feel compelled to go um, invest heavily in Jared Cook now that he's tied to to Drew Brees? How much longer is Drew Brees going to do this? You know, I, I you can't yeah. you can't say. Um, so I guess you know I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But would it be great if a tight end walked in and took the Gronk role? Yeah, probably. But Gronk's also the best tight end of all time. So just to assume that somebody just shows up and posts those numbers and is utilized in the same way in that offense, I think is a, a little bit um, that that gives me some pause. But if, if Irv Smith, I mean, if he goes in the first round, it, he's going to go later than the other guy. I mean, he is not, I, I really don't feel that he is going to surpass Fant or Hawkinson in draft capital. So if he goes in the first, he's going to a good team. He's going to one of the teams at the end of the first. 
and, and some yeah. of the spots that are down there, like 25 and below, that could be really attractive. You know, Green Bay is one of those spots. Um, the, the Patriots are one of those spots. Uh, the Saints are off the board now, probably having signed Jared Cook. Wouldn't make a lot of sense at this point because he's probably got a couple years there. But, you know, I, I even saw a rumor that, that the Colts aren't ruling out tight end at this point because I think they're still worried about Doyle's back and they use two tight end. I mean, there's just some intriguing spots later on in the draft um, where somebody could land. What what if somebody landed in, in Houston and, and finally gave them the solution that they're looking for, a tight end, and it was a dynamic pass-catching guy? So lot, lots of intrigue uh, with these guys. I think he if he goes in the first and it's a better landing spot than the other two, I could see putting him – he would still be third of the group, but I could see moving him into that yeah. that tier. I could see it happen. But yeah. if, if he's got round two behind his name – He's just going to stay a, a, a slight tick below until we see something from him on the field. So, but I do really like Irv Smith Jr. I think he's very clean when you watch him. He's just very clean. I think he's he's polished. He's not a chest catcher. Um, he you know he sees the ball into his hands before he turns up field, and he just he has he looks like a polished receiving tight end to me. There's nothing forced about it. I, I'm just I'm comfortable with that. I think OJ Howard's looked good out of Alabama. Um, and, and I think Irv Smith's just, you know, kind of the next there. And, and on a note, uh, a note I wanted to make was should in Debbie, should we just automatically start taking the Iowa tight end? I mean, Kittle, Fan Hawkinson, yeah. <laughs> uh, should, should we just, just reserve a spot, whoever they recruit, um, and yeah. Debbie is a target now. Um, who after Irv Smith, um, our next two guys after that, Caleb Wilson and Jay Sternberger. Of those two, who I mean, who's your let, – let's just assume equal draft capital. Let's say they're both late second-round picks in the actual NFL draft. Agnostic of team situation, which guy do you prefer, assuming draft capital is the same? I think it's, it's really close, and I think uh, for me, it's, I'll give Jay Sternberger the edge just barely. But I know you would give Caleb Wilson the edge by maybe a lot. <laughs> but it's funny looking at both these guys. They, they didn't have uh, typical – you know, just really super clean careers of, you know, hey, this, you know, started here, freshman, sophomore, junior, okay, now he's drafted. It's like Jay Sternberger had to go waste some time at Kansas and then go Juco. And then finally he gets his real shot at Texas A&M and absolutely blows it up and gets 10 touchdowns, which, I mean, for tight end production in, in college, you don't see somebody get 800 yards and 10 touchdowns, like basically ever in college football like that that that's that just does not happen so to to see what jace sternberger was able to do immediately in year one with imperfect uh, quarterback play uh, to say the least from kellen mond i know a lot of people like him but he you know he's a 57 percent completion passer in college it's not great so i think he did really well uh, dominated in a few isolated incidences but i know there's a lot to love about caleb wilson so he's right there they're pretty close. And I do think they're going to be within probably 15 picks of each other uh, in the real NFL draft as well. But uh, Caleb Wilson's your guy, right? Yeah, I, I really like Caleb Wilson. And if, you know, we, we talked about context earlier. If he hadn't, if he wasn't injured in his sophomore season, I mean, he only got to play five games. Through five, okay, through five games, Travis. And, and we got to rewind. This was with Josh Rosen still at UCLA. He was, ba- I mean, and that's a team where Jordan Lasley was there, who was a very uh, solid receiver, didn't end up getting the draft capital we wanted in the NFL. But, you know, he had some other talented guys on the team. Through five games, 38 receptions, 490 yards in that 2017 season. So if if he had stayed healthy that entire year, we'd be talking about a career production profile um, on Caleb Wilson as possibly having back-to-back 900-yard receiving seasons. Um, which you want to talk about yeah. uh, 810 being unheard of. Imagine stacking up a pair of those back to back. This is a, a tight end who uh, has multiple games of over 150 receiving yards under his belt, including a, a monster 200 plus receiving yard game. Uh, major conference ended up running sub four six at the combine 90th percentile. Uh, I think even that's actually like 94th percentile uh 40-yard dash time amongst tight ends. So um, he, I, I thought he was fast. I didn't know he was that fast. 
Um, and so that I think just that speed alone uh, is such a rarity from the tight end that that's going to push him up boards for sure. Um, Sternberger, much different player, more of an average athlete, but just a, a matchup problem with his body um, and, and seems to be intelligent in terms of finding the spots to sit down and make himself available. So, you know, it's going to take team situation for both of them, probably help sort it out. But, you know, ag- agnostic of all of those things, I, I like Wilson at one point. Um, I think a year ago I was tweeting that, you know, Wilson was going to be my tight end one this year. Um, of course we didn't know everything that we would come to know about Fanton Hawkinson, which, you know, anything can change over time, but I've, I've been on Wilson for, for about two years and it feel, feels good when a guy that you like, uh, shows up and, and justifies, um, your takes on him. So, uh, but these are two guys that in, in tight end premium formats, if you, if you miss out on those top three, you don't have to panic. I mean, the quality of the tight end position this year is is crazy. It's it's just the, the draft is lush w- with these guys, and you can wait until the second round, take one of these two. You can even wait a little bit longer. And some a guy that's climbing up all of our boards, I think, late in the process and just, just had a monster pro day, I believe, as well, is Cahill Waring out of San Diego State. And he, he just snuck into our rankings at 49, but I could see him even being maybe a mid-third, early third round selection in tight end premiums or projected selection in our in our last uh, iteration of the guide. Uh, any thoughts to add on on Waring or maybe any other later later darts in tight end premium? Like many uh, tight ends in college, you, it's easy to be an afterthought when you're in an offense that just doesn't really focus around the tight end position. I mean, Sternberger and Wilson, they were essentially their team's wide receiver one. Like They, they both were. Uh, when they were healthy. And so it can compare that to San Diego state, which just, you know, had three, what is it? Three consecutive years. You know, this year is kind of ruined because of uh, injury, but three consecutive years with a 2000 plus yard rusher. Uh, so that's, you know, passing game is kind of an afterthought, but warning, I think he can block. I think he is an adequate receiver and he has ball skills that kind of make you wow every once in a while too. So I think if he gets some decent draft capital, he'll he'll definitely rise up near the tier of a Caleb Wilson and Jay Sternberger for sure. I, I do I do definitely like him. I didn't really watch him enough just because it's San Diego State. <laughs> but uh, you know, now that we're getting close closer to complete with our process and, and that analysis, I think we can no longer ignore uh, him as a potential talent too. This this tight end class is just a lot of fun. I mean, it could have been even better if uh, Albert Okuibunum and Jared Pinkney for Vanderbilt, if those guys had hopped in too, it it would have been just ridiculous. So looking forward to the future of the tight end position in the NFL. I think they're they're just scratching the surface of what it could be uh, because the tight end position is so important to the game, and it's really changing with with more receptions and receiving yards going that direction uh, now than ever. Yeah, great great summation there. Last thing that I'll, that I'll kind of add in tight end premium or, or really any specialty scoring format, pay more attention to the tiers in our guide uh, or really any ranking set that you're looking at that's tier-based yeah. than the actual rankings themselves. Because, you know, you can make that adjustment, you know, five, six spots even, and, and you wouldn't necessarily be flying in the face of, of what we're suggesting uh, that you ought to do. And, and you also want to be aware of remaining... Uh, positional scarcity um, when when you're on the clock. And so if you get to the point where you don't feel good about waiting for a tight end after the Wilson and Sternberger range, and you, you know, you're, you don't have another pick for 16 picks or something like that. If you got to reach, you got to reach. You only get one chance to stock the rosters and then tight end premium, the value of that extra half point per reception, it really can make a huge difference filling out all your flex spots with these guys uh, you in tight end premium dynasty, you'll see some crazy rosters on on some championship teams where you know guys are starting three and four tight ends uh, because they've they've invested consistently uh, at that position. I've got a a league that I'm in uh, that I won in 2017, but then lost in 2018. It's the tight end premium league that Scott Barrett took me down in the championship this year, and he was starting something like four or five tight ends uh, in the championship week. And, uh, you know, so anything can work. Take advantage of your scoring settings and really know um, where that drop off is for you, where you feel comfortable. These rankings are our suggestions and and our best guesses, but um, it's it's okay to reach 
if you feel that it fills a need. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think more than ever, just tears are so important because it's just, it's so, it's so easy to get hot and caught up on this guy's at 21. This guy's at 22. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up again, man. Cause that's, that's so key. Yeah, well, that's probably going to wrap up all the time that we have for the Superflex and tight end premium talk. There'll be more discussion for rookies that comes uh, over the next month or so. Although, I can't believe it. It's actually only, well, by the time this is out, for sure, less than a month away from the NFL draft being in Nashville, which I can't wait because I live in Nashville. So <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, just an exciting event to uh, get pumped about here in town. But we can't wait to uh, get the last guide out. Uh, for the rookie guide, but keep in mind the rookie guide. This is when I mean, we were referencing this throughout the last two episodes. I mean, you can still pick up your copy today. It's it's jam packed with just awesome stuff. Go to dynastycommandcenter.com if you haven't already. Just uh, a really helpful resource that I'm proud of. It's just been a, a good fun project to kind of put together. And uh, again, Sean just kills it with all the graphics and all the work that he puts in, making it look professional. My Curtis, thanks again for joining me this week. You can find Curtis on Twitter at CPatrickNFL. I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. Thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that Dynasty life. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.